to the double up podcast i'm your host double up and we're here to connect perspectives today we got another special guest in the building a good friend of mine grew up together mrs alana woodson in the building and we're going to be discussing her journey as a woman becoming a mother becoming a director becoming an advocate for anybody that's trying to find their purpose in life especially when it comes to content strategy and marketing their businesses let's tap in so what do I need to do? Like making hour and a half trips up there to the financial aid office, figuring out what I needed to do, come back to St. Louis and pick Addie up from daycare like that never happened. And so awesome. fortunately, I was able to go back in the spring of 2011 and um, had my best friend there. Addie was the Mizzou baby. I would either, you know, take her to daycare, take her to class, take her to probates. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was the Mizzou baby and I got to finish with the same cohort that I went in with. Because mm. I, I watched you just handle that and seeing that it really does take a village. Like that cliche is 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 some of the realest shit you'll hear because when you grow up in a certain type of household, you having older brothers, younger brothers, father in the house, you, you see firsthand how important family is. Like you got your ups and downs, but family is there. And also just having to figure out that college path. I had my times where I I was gonna be flunked out of school or I was on probation or I, I just had to figure it out and navigate that whole process. So with a kid, that that's that's a whole different dynamic that is, is definitely tip my hat. I always thought she was a real one, but that was something else that confirmed it. When you was taking that next step in your in your womanhood, in that uh-huh. journey, how important was it having a, a father growing up and your parents being together when you started to really consider a serious relationship, marriage, and and eventually being with with Devin and making that Uh a beautiful marriage? Um, It took, well, first of all, having a father was and is everything. My parents are still married. Um, But from the fatherhood perspective, like my dad was the prototype. He was very, is very involved, is very engaged. It's interesting now that I'm an adult, it's more so like, that's the homie than that's like my dad. But um, very close and my dad was very affectionate very emotional he's you know I got to witness what it looked like for a man to like kiss his sons on the forehead um, tell his sons I love you verbally tell his homeboys I love you verbally and so when I ended up getting in a relationship with my child's father and it didn't necessarily look like that and I also in a rebellious stage of like you don't want you know you have to the stuff you're doing to you know piss your daddy off um but also my dad raised me to be very independent and that worked in both ways it was you know 
I'm confident enough to learn how to do things on my own, but I also rebel against like men wanting to do stuff for me because my daddy told me I didn't need no man, right? Um, and so I carried that a lot. And when meeting, when I was meeting Devin, I met Devin in college, but when dating Devin and getting to a point where I knew I wanted to take dating seriously, my daughter was four turning five. Um, I had finally got to a place where, you know, I knew with her dad and I, there wasn't going to be any romantic type of relationship outside of co-parenting. Um, I had to let down a, a lot. Um, I had to unlearn a lot. I'm like, but my daddy told me I ain't need no man. Right. So what does that even look like? I've never, like her father and I never lived together, um, the household that I maintain, I did that myself. And so it was just me and Addie. So it would be little shit like Devin not putting the bowl back where I wanted it. And it would bother me because I'm like, this is my space. This is my space. It's my child. This is my home. This is how I do things. And so, <laughs> well, I'm still unlearning a lot of shit. And I'm about to be <laughs> two years into this marriage thing. But as far as fatherhood, like that was the prototype and so Addie has my father she has her father she has her stepfather she has two godfathers she has two uncles and she has a standard set for her by the men in her life and the men in my life too that that is so just influential in how people live especially women and I think it's it's on the men in our generation to to change that narrative and to be more like I I know your father like Papa Flowers that's OG like he one of the coolest dudes I know and he he he's somebody that's instilled certain things and demonstrating certain things and you watch him bounce back if he if he does something wrong and, and step up and apologize be a man in, in times when it's hard um, and. Just what you said, just showing affection and showing love. That's something that we, we got to continue to do as black men, especially because it's it's something that's not celebrated. It's something that's not really promoted. And we see how it affects our women and how it affects our families, not being who, who we're meant to be. When, when you got to the point where you realized that the influence my father's, my brother's being around, just even now having Devin as a husband, how do you feel when you hear the narrative about black women not being protected? And what's your experience? Because from the outside looking in, people will probably feel like Alana good. She feel like she got to be super protected. She got this man. Is is it always like that? Or how do you feel when, when, when that just comes up? I feel like it's a both and I feel I've I've been in both positions um more often than not do I feel protected by the black men that I personally know and am in relationship with yes do I feel that they may carry that with every woman in their life no so for instance I come from you know my parents are married both sets of my grandparents were married but both of my grandmothers were also second wives to my grandfather's and so just even knowing in tradition of, of, of men back then, like on my dad's side, like my dad, my grandpa didn't like my grandma driving. My grandpa was very misogynistic, probably a term he probably didn't know when he was alive, but he was, he was the traditional, like, this is my house. 
um, type ordeal. And so I feel like even with my father and my uncles carry a lot of that over. So when it came to my views on relationships, I rebelled heavily against that. I rebelled heavily against that. Even seeing, you know, my parents are married, but there's a lot of things that I witnessed that deterred me from wanting to get married because I am such an alpha female, right? So I've witnessed how that looks on both sides. I've been in situations outside of my marriage where I did not feel protected um, by black men, but I also am in a position and mature enough to know that that's not as a collective. Um, But I'm also in a position to know to hold men accountable for protecting women that one they're not romantically engaged with or attracted to and then two it's starting within the home and so it is a both end i i feel protected as of what's today august 5th 6th 2020 um and in my relationships but i've also had that to where it was f y'all in the click you claim at the same time straight up what, what do you tell <laughs> the men around you just to make sure that they understand um, when you don't feel heard or you don't feel like you're, you're, you're being protected from a mental and emotional state. Because as men, we take it as, yeah, if anybody approached my woman, my woman, she know, like, I got her. Ain't nobody putting hands on my woman when people think of protection. But we don't always think about how can we protect our, our woman's mental well-being, her, her heart, because she's the most mm-hmm. vulnerable with us. Is there any advice that you give them on that? Um, it's probably more so addressing it as it comes. I remember being in the kitchen with male family members when um, Bill Cosby stuff popped off. And, you know, the typical jargon of why did they wait so late to say something? And did he really even do it? I'm like, y'all don't even know what sexual assault or abuse or just sexual harassment really looks like. And so without going into detail about my experiences, it got real quiet. Cause I'm like, it doesn't just have to be somebody's flipping uh, whatever in somebody's drink or why did you wait so long to say something? Like the conversation that y'all are having amongst each other right now are why women do not say anything. And so advocating for other women, but also nipping it in the bud in the middle of conversations, mm-hmm. even if it has nothing to do with me, we're just making sure they're seeing it from another lens that these conversations are the very reason why women or a lot of women may not feel comfortable being vulnerable in spaces with you or trusting that you will protect them in any given circumstance. Like something should not have to pop off for them to be like, all right, I got you. Like I'm talking about preventative work, not reactionary work. Mm. That's a gem right there. I'm going to have to write that one. Me... <laughs> uh, preventative work. Y'all hear preventative work, not reactionary. Because if we get to that point, then we we allow y'all to be the best versions of yourselves. And it's a beautiful thing when you got a, a strong black woman who trusts your decisions and trusts that you are protecting her emotional state the same with the same veracity as her physical state. Like the, the same way you'll run up on a nigga for putting hands on her, that's how you gotta that's how we gotta check ourselves and, and be careful when we when we when we deal with our women, I tell Courtney because like she's the same way. She's strong, independent. Her her mother was the same way, and I, I told her when I'm like, "Baby, you delicate. I gotta deal with you that way." And she snapped. She like delicate. What you talking about? And I'm like delicate like a bomb. And nigga, you call me weak? Nah, nah, not not like a not delicate like a flower. Delicate like a bomb. Like a, I better be careful because. 
if I I fumble this, you know what I'm saying? It can get real explosive yeah, around sure. here. Everybody going. You down. know what I'm saying? But but nah, that's it's it's something that I I cherish, and I'm sure that that Devin is the same way. Like y'all are the ones that see our blind spots, and that not only make us feel like we we are men. Like no man really feels like a man unless he has a woman. Like that's just being real. If you if you uh-huh. if you go through life and you don't pour and, and, and become vulnerable with a woman that you trust, a woman, a substance, then you never gonna power up and become that man that we supposed to be. And, and so like that's something that I think that we all gotta be mindful of. Just making sure we thinking about her feelings and her emotion. I mean, and her mindset just as much as we thinking about her physical well-being. For, I want to take just a, a little pivot, just to something I saw you, you you post earlier, talking about just the black girl magic in St. Louis right now, and how, how the pose everybody showed out, and we got these strong, educated, influential women in office. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that first for the city, and then how have you grown in your in your views on the on the struggle of our people from just firsthand being in St. Louis and Ferguson in 2014 and now having so many conversations and so many people talking about race relations and how we need to get what's old and how we just need respect in different in, in, in all aspects really what what, uh-huh. what are your thoughts on that that black girl magic in St. Louis and this Ferguson, the Black Girl, Black Lives Matter movement. I am so elated for Corey, for Tashara, for Kim, and I just to be politics in general, right? When we're talking about the establishment and for people's ideology, when it comes to people in leadership positions, you don't think of people who look like me. Not even necessarily as a black woman, but women in general, like. I've heard several times that this country would never allow a woman president, like, because we're too emotional. And I'm thinking, like, do y'all not see who is the head of our country at this point? (laughs) Y'all feel more emotional? What? Okay. But to see St. Louis collectively come together and these women, like, Corey has been on the ground since day one when cameras were not around. And I've, I've had the luxury of being in her presence and engaging with her several times like when my cousin uh mansoor ball bay was actually murdered by a st louis city cop in 2015 and that's the first time i met corey was at his balloon release she did the prayer because she is a pastor she did the prayer and that's the first time i met her so in moments that you know mansoor didn't get a lot of airplay or news play a lot of people don't even know who he is um but that's how i met her and but just to see like articles written about these women and just solely because they are black women not because they are incompetent or that they're not skilled enough to do the job but they're taking jabs because they are black women um lacey clay putting something in the newspaper about Corey and her history of eviction but you see the homeless population in st louis like how tone deaf are you and so i'm just proud that st louis got into a space and even medicaid expansion like people are getting to a space where like we are caring about things outside of ourselves i wish we could do that in the pandemic and just put on a damn mask but i just black women win every single day but just to see that lineup 
and knowing that you've had a relationship with some of these women, you've engaged with some of these women, and just because I've become more politically engaged the older I've gotten, um, just to be able to see it and knowing that you've seen them in person and the work that they've done in person, how long that they've been working, like I am extremely proud of them. Um, now in relation to like Ferguson, the Black Lives Matter movement, and just how far we've come and how far we still need to go since 2014, Personally, 2014 shaped a lot of the work that I do now. Um, I was a college advisor at Sodan in 2014, and that was my last year at that school. And at, at that time, I was trying to figure out what am I going to do when I leave this job, um, seeing how this happened and how Ferguson occurred and, and being Ferguson on August 9th and seeing you know, the quick trip before it went up in flames and just seeing things that like, I can drive down the street and see this and I can turn on my TV on CNN and see it at the same time and just seeing the varying narratives and just, it shaped how I wanted to be active in that moment. Not necessarily movement because it's still, it was going before that happened and it's still going now, but my passion for storytelling and community work was sparked in 2014 and to see that women are finally getting our just due because we have been the backbone of several movements from back in slavery when they were stripping families apart and the men are getting sold off but the women are back at home still having to be mentally sound enough to raise their children only for them to be sold off when they got to a certain age so and having to take care of white women's children and neglecting our own. So we have been the backbone of life circumstances for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so we're now finally getting into a place of feeling just a little bit comfortable with a woman being a leader or a woman being your supervisor or a woman being a part of the U.S. Congress and hopefully a woman being the president of the United States one day. So... I'm just proud to know that I'm alive and I have a sound mind and mobility to be active in a time like this, that I can say that this was a part of my history, that I was engaged in it, that I've documented it, um, that my daughter is of age where she can witness it and she can be involved in it too. I'm just happy to know that I was a part of this time in history. Mm. Mm. And it, it was it was so powerful just being able to go down and, and see what we was dealing with in Ferguson, like they really came in there like it was Iraq. They brought tanks, they brought like military grade weapons. On West Florissant. Well, this is West (laughs) Florissant. Like it's even driving down there now and when people would come to school, when I was going to school and they're like, you know, how far is Washu from Ferguson? And I'm like, what what do y'all think this is? (laughs) What do y'all think this is? A regular old mile long road people hate that walmart like i just don't how they exacerbated this community of just inbreeds and just impoverished people and i'm like that's not that's not what this is like canfield green apartments either you used to live there you know somebody who used to live in canfield greens like i don't how the media just made it to where it was not that that was that will always be a mystery to me and that's why storytelling is so important because you do control the narrative. You are able to tell just what's real and, and what's going on in the grassroots and let the people really tell the story. It got to the point like with Mike Brown where 
they was suppressing witnesses and saying people weren't credible. And I'm not the judge or the jury, but it's just like certain political movements and things that are done. I'm not sure how it always affects our cause because we wanted to get Wesley Bell in office as the DA and he became the DA and then he mm. still decided not to press charges against Darren Wilson. And so it's like we, we, we fight so much in that way that I'm 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 a little bit pivoted. I understand the political game. I'm being it because y'all get my tax money, so I need to know what's going on with that bread. But yeah, I, I wouldn't get into politics unless I was finding somebody I wanted to support and campaign. I mean, finance their campaign type deal. But uh-huh. I think we 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 do ourselves way more justice investing and building up our own ideas and products and services and and being able to work in and collaborate and uh do commerce with each other like that's the real way i feel like we uplift our community because i'm not sure about everybody that say they are ally now or everybody that just throw up the black lives matter on their tags and on their their products like like what's your thoughts do you feel like this is really a pivot where everything about to be different do you feel like we just need to take advantage of what's there or do you feel like nothing is actually finna change I feel like a lot is going to change and a lot has been changing. Now, the question is, is it for the the good? So we have like cancel culture is so intense at this point that if you sneeze the wrong way, I don't I don't fuck with you anymore. And so in reference to black people and allyship, I was actually having a thought this morning about. So what is, what is it that we want? And I think the confusion with the Black Lives Matter movement was the the argument was we're we're not concrete with what it is that we want like our anger is you know just rightfully so but as far as like tangible results we weren't clear at least originally we weren't ever clear with what it is that we desire outside of basic humane rights um but as far as allyship and just being clear with all the argument of saying it's not my job to educate you i don't personally agree with because then you leave people who want to be an ally to their own devices, whether it be them watching news channels to learn about our culture that we don't even watch because we don't want to be the ones to educate them. And so not taking offense to a white person asking me a question out of general inquiry and taking that moment to educate. Who else is going to educate them about our culture right. besides us? I don't agree with that. It's a bit draining, though, you know. It is draining. It's draining as fuck. It's draining as fuck. <laughs> but I would rather it be um, accurate, and I would rather them. I would rather be a resource to where I'm not giving you the whole spiel. But here's some shit that you can look at. Stay off Fox News. That's not what this is. But just the straight. As soon as you ask me a question and I'm hitting you with, it's not my job. I'm like, God damn, like, but they have a general inquiry. And so for people to be in a space to where they're doing a lot of unlearning, they're shifting away from their own family norms. You know, they're raising a household where their parents thought this way about people of color. And so they, you know, standing up to their family members because viscerally they know that it's wrong, but they're not able to articulate what it is. And so that that's just where I personally stand on it. But I'm not going to give you, I'm not, this ain't story time. I'm not going <laughs> to. Have you sit on my lap and we reading the whole book, but I can point you to some resources. I'm not going to deny you if you genuinely want to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a I'm a very factual person. I'm going to lay out history. I'm going to lay out what I feel like 
you're ready for? Because a lot of people, when they ask these questions, it's so much depth to the conversation that if if I don't tell you the history and I don't tell you the, the trauma and I don't tell you uh, the positions of power that people have been been exiled from, but then also that un, un, unrighteous people have had. So if I'm a person as racist, a person as um, a person as wealthy, even if it gets to the point where the laws don't change, I already have my resources, I already have the industries. It's like black people so far behind on that that I can't have a short conversation. So for me, I feel like it's it's overwhelming because some people need too much and, and everybody intentions ain't the same. Like some people just want to argue. I'm not finna argue with you. No, that's that. that's that's a straight whoop. This you knew what you thought before you even engaged in the conversation. You weren't trying to learn. You came in with the defense. Like, no. Uh-uh. Yeah, so we gotta we gotta be careful with that. And I I think it's also important that we we recognize what what division is being drawn in our own community and mm-hmm. how like you talked about it earlier is it's colorism is is people who feel like um there's a split in the, the LGBTQ community and the black community is um like you say men not always respecting and protecting women like what what are your thoughts when it comes to mending some of those ties and and when somebody say Alana I don't fuck with you because you light skin you got long hair is it is it mm-hmm. smoke is it empathy is it like I understand more colorism history now or like yeah. like when people challenge religious views and say I don't mess with that lifestyle I don't I don't respect I don't support none of that when it comes mm-hmm. to LGBTQ like how how do you try to find that balance between our own people. Um, to answer your first question, is it smoke? No, 30-year-old Alana is like, clearly there's something going on in here that has nothing to do with Alana the person, but who Alana represents as a light-skinned woman and that privilege of being a light-skinned woman. It hasn't happened in my latter years of being an adult, but if it were to, it would be from a place of empathy. Um, the division with you know LGBTQ, I've grown more knowledgeable and empathetic and just learn my place and like don't speak on shit that you don't know you know what i'm saying don't speak on shit that you don't know don't provide any definite answers and just becoming more open and willing to learn and to listen and to step back like that's not my platform but i want to know more i want to engage more i want to be more open and understanding um to what they are going through and being an advocate and an ally in those spaces as well so i've had to learn and step back and go through some of you know the content that I wrote from years ago and be like, Alana, that was fucked up. That's that's not okay. Yeah. Um, it may have seemed normal back in 2014, but that's not okay. Oh, 2014 um, Twitter was man. Listen, at this point, <laughs> if somebody just were to go through, because when did Twitter come out? Oh nine. We yeah. were we were freshmen. Just to go back, everybody in the world is going to be canceled at this point. <laughs> And so in reference Not to that, me, it's like... all of mine is deleted and gone. We, screenshots weren't even popping before I deleted my Screenshots were not popping back then. <laughs> um, but also to that, when we are calling people out, what is your intention for doing that? Are you wanting to see resolve? Are you wanting them to correct their error? Or are you just want to hit them with the, this you 
for some likes and some retweets. Like, I am for correctiveness. Like, I want to see you do better. I want mm-hmm. to see you evolve. Not to say that you aren't, um, that you are not deserving of some type of punishment or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, I say this all the time, all the way down to R. Kelly. You deserve to be in jail. What you did was wrong, but I also want to see you get better. Mm-hmm. If that means you get better in jail, so be it. Yeah. But I want to see you get better. I don't believe anybody is beyond reproach and redemption. Mm, mm, mm. I don't. So beyond reproach and redemption. See, now you're getting into a sticky subject here. It is a sticky subject. So when you say that, that means that you believe. What is what is your definition of forgiveness? Is your definition of we back to A1, square one, I, I give no. you all of the privileges? No. Okay. I don't even have to engage with you to forgive you. Okay. All right. As long as we understand that, because mm-hmm. people get it twisted sometimes. Like, you forgave me. Like, why Why you just won't let me come over and watch your kids no more, Lana? Like, come on, kids. I know you still the pop. <laughs> no. You, no. That's not, we can sever those ties. Forgiving you for the act that you did and hoping that you get better, but I don't have to be in your place and space in order for you to get better. This is, I'm a pastor from a distance type of thing, but I do believe that everybody is worthy of redemption for whatever that looks like. That does not mean that you do not get punished mm-hmm. for your actions. Mm. It, it'd be tough with family, especially because I got like family members who've committed crimes who, who like I still love. And yeah. you get to the point where you want to influence them, you want to be the person that's trying to make a difference for your family and at the same time you know how how much that could be a downfall and it could be just just stressful and cause so much anxiety are you how you feel now you down in dallas a little separate from everybody is it Uh is it like you able to still connect with people and, and have that that closeness with family or or is it ties that you know you still gotta be separate from family and friends like what what's that growth like for you and recognizing relationships is important but some of them got to be put in certain places um that's actually something i'm battling with as we speak um being in dallas i do feel like has been good for me um being able to put down some roots as a woman and as a wife with my own family separate from my birth family um there are conversations that need to be had. And I'm actually, you know, in therapy for this now, and I'm doing a whole assessment about like my childhood and how it's shaped my adulthood, but even, you know, approaching 30 and turning 30 and seeing, you know, my current values and are the people who I hang with or the places that I go or the conversations that I have, I, it's almost like that physical discernment. And I'm feeling like this isn't aligning with, the Alana who I'm becoming and the Alana who I'm trying to be learning to not feel guilty about my evolution. If it doesn't, you know, jive with the people who I'm used to being around or the conversation that I'm used to having. And just, it's a lot of, I feel like I'm in a a pruning season, if Mm. that makes sense. And it's extremely uncomfortable um, because I'm, I like, I don't like change that requires me to make like a complete 180 or, that requires me to let go of something. And so now I'm in a, in a place where I'm having to have conversations that may require removal or letting go or reshifting, um, a lot of boundary setting. 
Mm. A lot of black families, we don't talk about boundaries. We don't we don't use that word. It's either you're being disrespectful or, you know, that's your family. Family is all you got. And just like, yeah. no, like you're not healthy for my well-being. And if I had a choice, you probably wouldn't be my family member. But I don't. So the only thing I can control is my proximity to you. And so having to do a lot of relearning about how I want to raise my own family, um, different from previous family, how I want my to engage in my friendships, how I want my daughter to engage in her friendships, Um, the type of people that I want centered around my marriage and knowing that that has influence on my marriage as well. Uh, it's a lie, Will. It's, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to go through this again when I'm like 35 <laughs> and when I'm 40. And just God willing, if I'm, I'm alive long enough to see, you know, old age, just all of the different evolutions that I had over time in my adulthood. Mm-hmm. How, how do you try to still grow these relationships knowing that it's, it's more beneficial for you to be on your own, but it may be more beneficial long term? for all of the family to to stay connected cuz i find myself as being that one who who does connect with a lot of my cousins and a lot of my um uncles and aunts like our relationship is is all special like individually and knowing that we we got that spark we got that influence with our peoples do you do you still try or do, like like what do you what do you think about that cuz i'm I'm asking because I don't know. I feel like I'm in a season where I need to tap back in more with my peoples, but I'm also in a season where I need to establish who I am and establish what I'm doing. Like, how how, how do you balance that? Um, I'm at the point where I'm I'm trying to establish who I am as a woman, like just as a woman. Like I I made a post on my birthday and how my entire adulthood is centered around me being a mom. Mm. Like everything that I've done in my adulthood has been with Edison into consideration. And so just like, what does Alana want? What does Alana need? All the way down to like my family helping me raise her um, and being grateful that they were there to help me raise her and continue to be a vessel for me in raising her now, but just creating that detachment to know like, that's not, I'm not obligated to do anything because you helped me in this season of my life and learning to not, hold that over people's heads of like but I you know I did this for you and mm-hmm. thank you and I hope when you did that you were doing that because that's what you wanted to do and that was out of the kindness of your heart but me being in Dallas like I'm still connected with my immediate family but I don't feel pressure to maintain relationships just off the fact that I feel like I'm obligated to do that now I'll, I'm quick to reach out send a text I hate talking on the phone <laughs> I hate talking on the phone, but I'm sh- I'll quit. You were on my spirit today. Just want to check in and see how you were doing, mm. but not out of obligation. I will do it as that thought or that feeling comes to me. Um, nobody's checked me for it yet. <laughs> I'll let you know what they do, no, but not out of obligation. I'm, we're not doing stuff out of obligation. Mm-hmm. That was the most mm-hmm. crucial point you made. It got to be genuine because if you feel like you you're doing it out of obligation, you're gonna build resentment before they even give you anything back. Like, if I'm doing uh-huh. it because I know, like, man, I don't even feel like fucking with them, but let me hit them up. No matter what they say back, it ain't going to hit the same. Oh. It's just not. But if you know it's genuine, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have the effect that it's meant to have, hopefully, because some relationships be tough, man. Like, it's, 
It is. It can be exhausting. It can be draining. It can be like, I don't really want to talk to you right now. But I don't need to talk. But we need to talk. Or it's like, I don't just feel like, I don't feel like talking. It don't Mm -hmm. even got nothing to do with you. But Uh, they take it personally. And I I fall into several moments where I don't want to be bothered. And Mm -hmm. my husband and my child are here. And I just don't feel like being bothered. And that's happened more in recent years, but I like being, I've learned, I like being to myself. I like being to, with my own thoughts. I like mm-hmm. having moments to myself and just how to, how to help people not take that personally. Cause they don't have nothing to do. I'm doing it with my mama now. Like my mom will video chat me like three times a week. And I'm like, mama, I don't, mm-hmm. ain't nothing happened since Tuesday when we talked last. Like I just shoot me a text. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to video chat. It, it takes energy <laughs> that I'm, I don't feel like pouring into right now. And yeah. Nah, for real. You gotta protect your space and your peace, cause I'm the same way dealing with my parents. Like, you know, parents be having they drama and they stressful things they want to talk about sometimes too. And you just like, oh my gosh, I got you because I know that we got our special connection. But you gotta make sure that you got time for it and making sure that you're not thrown off of your own path. You feel me? Yeah, well, I'm over here parenting parents. <laughs> It's not my job. But that's how they raised us. If they ain't raised us well, they wouldn't be talking to us. <laughs> like, Lord. And that's another thing, like, asking, you know, I would ask my cousin, like, do you have the bandwidth to talk right now? Mm. Are you in a space to, like, and I'll ask before I just start dumping. Um, and that's, I think that's a tip that everybody should do. Like, inquire first. Mm. Inquire. Even even your, your your spouse like what what does everybody get that same? Because I'm 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 dumping on Courtney like <laughs> maybe oh, maybe I'm, hey I gotta talk to you. <laughs> with Devin and he is so and even going into like conflict management, I am someone who I, I hold it in. I hold mm-hmm. it in. It's a very bad habit that I have. That by the time you hear about it from me, it's a whole slew of shit that I probably should have said some months ago. Devin is more in tune with his feelings than I am, and he's he knows how to articulate it way better than I do. And so he wants to get it out in the moment. Mm. He wants to get it out in the moment. I'm not letting things fester. I need to get this out. And me, I'm like, I need a break before I say some shit that don't need to be said. Um, and so now we're in a place where we found like our our middle ground. But if it's some shit that don't have anything to do with me, he just needs to get it out. It's be probing. Like I, I see it on his on his face before he says anything, or I hear like the huh, or like his elbow on. Like I'm picking up all of these nonverbal cues, and I'm just like, okay, so what's going on? Um, when it don't have nothing to do with me, but when it got something to do with me, we need to take a break. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that sounds like Courtney for real. <laughs> no, nah, I think it probably sounds like a lot of relationships. We all we all deal with it because. It's, it's that balance because man we are very like we we look at it rationally logically like come on now nah, let's figure this out let's get a solution let's get a solution right now let's let's get that because if we don't get a solution it's gonna fester it's gonna be resentment we gonna we take it to the next level and y'all just be like re not not relax because y'all hate her and relax but y'all just be like let's 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 take a time out let's because it be all in here <laughs> it be all like it's a lot being said in my mind and <laughs> I feel before I have the words for it. And so like, I need, for me, it's, I need to process it. Mm. I need to process it because my natural reaction is to get defensive. 
I have a very defensive personality. You know that. I have a very defensive personality. So I need to process, like, what did he mean by this? Um, what is he trying to say? Or, you know, understanding, like, he's not saying this to hurt my feelings. He's not doing this to hurt me. Why am I responding in this way? Mm-hmm. And so I'll sit quiet just so I can process that before I just let, you know, something come out. That's real. So I'm, I'm getting better. And clap for that. <laughs> Oh uh, man, the last thing I, I wanna I wanna leave you with um is something that I always thought was dope. You always have been somebody that's figured not always, but more recently has figured out how to keep a little coin, how to how to hustle, how to manage a, a business, a, a a a service, something for the people, something for yourself. Um what what was that like? Really turning your your passion into your profession and not mm-hmm. Just, just chasing a corporate opportunity and getting to the point where you're able to have this this beautiful documentary come in, the Kenlock Doc. Mm-hmm. Um, while I always had a creative spirit, I wasn't privy to how that could, you know, generate any type of revenue for me. And it really wasn't until witnessing, you know, being with Devin and witnessing him freelance work or work for himself and just seeing how yes it's a struggle and you know you work in longer hours but it was actually possible and being partnered with somebody who understands that lifestyle to where I'm comfortable taking risk because I'm with somebody who understands that process as well and so being able to spew ideas and take the time to get you know learn things on YouTube and just being in an environment where that is fostered and encouraged within me. And so expanding my network with other female entrepreneurs so I can see that clearly this is something that is attainable because I know women who do this. And so my network has shifted greatly over the past four or five years. Well, that's normal to me. I know people who have gotten their work on the Ellen show and the Steve Harvey show and Oprah magazine and they've gotten those opportunities like just centering myself around people to where I can see that it is possible um, because I am a first gen entrepreneur like I come from a family of we graduate high school we go into the workforce we work for 30 years and they retire extremely grateful for that because without that I wouldn't I wouldn't have as much flexibility as I have and so just being okay with taking the risk also understanding my privilege that I'm married to somebody who was making money to where I have the ability to take those risks. So I'm not knocking that. I understand that that is also a part of my privilege. But even before that, just centering myself around people who get it. Straight up, because me and T used to drive you. You ain't got no job, Tommy. All the time. And I'll be straight (laughs) in the office at the same damn time. But nah, nah. Really, really, I was always just like, a little little jabbing, but trying to just motivate too, cause like mm-hmm. I think it's it's dope, cause I'm on the same mission now. It's like I I understand the corporate world. I, I got into it a little bit, but this freelance work, services, building up businesses, being an entrepreneur, like that's that's the route I'm I'm taking, and I encourage a lot of people to do it if you got the 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 ability to, because mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying some people are meant to be a part of somebody else's team. Like maybe you don't got all of the bandwidth or all of the resources to do what you want to do, but you know somebody else got a vision. Like like T had the realest word. I'm realest word. Devin. Shout out, realest word. You know what I'm saying? It's like 
it's, it's important to be able to network laterally too. Not always think that shit, I gotta reach up and find somebody. I can reach just across and maybe reach down sometimes and get some good ideas and pull them up. Definitely. So like, it's something that I, I admire and I want you to keep on doing because I know the Kenlock doc is, is, is gonna be something to see. I know you're gonna get locked in and finish that, right? Oh, I have to. I can't listen. You're gonna have me out here on the internet looking a damn fool. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. Kenlock is they backed and supported for the past three and four years, and just this journey. It's time. It's time for the film, at least, to come to a close, and um, I'm ready to bring it to a close. <laughs> well, we definitely gonna be ready for it. Um, I appreciate you. Been a, it's been an hour. We we probably didn't have time. We talked for longer than this, but we ain't caught up in a minute. So this was this was dope. Uh, was mm-hmm. anything else you want to leave the people with? What do I want to leave the people with? Uh, wipe down y'all microwaves. <laughs> um, y'all, <laughs> y'all refrigerator handles. Wash your hands. <laughs> clean behind your ears. And call your loved ones. Call your loved ones. There we go. Hygiene. And hit your peoples. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. to all the listeners, appreciate y'all tapping in today. Shout out to the sponsors, Real is Rare. Uh, shout out to our co-sponsors, Rare. Make sure that y'all tap in with Devin. And Rare Breed Co. Rare Breed Co. for show. Any um, services you want to shout out for yourself? Yes. So outside of the Kenlock Doc, I do assist with other content creators who need help getting their ideas out of their head and pushing into execution. So I'll offer content clarity consultations and you can book those at IamAlanaMarie.com. Straight up. And I'm an advocate and a client, you know what I'm saying? I got a website that she personally puts together for me that is, is dope. It's on the way. So y'all going to see that, but this is about Lana. So tap in with IamAlanaMarie.com and look out for any services you need content wise or just mm-hmm. trying to figure out what's your what's your brand what's your way to get get some money she got some answers for you Not a little bit just a little bit just a little bit i appreciate you um i don't know when i'm coming to st louis but um if it's not so that's what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see each other soon on the facetime or something either way okay all right good everybody else Let's double up. Are we good? That's it. I was like, do I want to do? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, that was dope. That was dope. I got to uh, jump to another meeting right now, but I really appreciate you. You, you gave me some good insight, some shit I needed to know about relationships and dealing with people. I'll be trying. I'm learning. Shit, this shit is not easy. But no, thank you. I appreciate it. For sure, for sure. We're going to finish up the website and then let me know what you need from me. I got you. Okay. All right, see you later.